Thank you for listening to the Calvary Church Podcast. If this ministry has been a blessing to you, would you let us know? Send an email to toledocalvary.org. We would love to hear what God is doing in your life today. Anybody familiar with uh, this book, Alexander and the Terrible, Horrible, No Good, Very Bad Day? Anybody know this book? If you don't, you should. Uh, it's kind of a kid's classic. Let me, let me read a little bit to you. This is the opening page. It's about a little guy named Alexander who had a, well, you can tell, bad day. He says, I went to sleep with gum in my mouth, and now there's gum in my hair. And when I got out of bed this morning, I tripped on the skateboard. By mistake, I dropped my sweater in the sink while the water was running, and I could tell it was going to be a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. And everybody said, <laughs> you had one, right? You know, you have those moments. Here's what he said, next page. At breakfast, Anthony found a Corvette Stingray car kit in his breakfast cereal box, and Nick found a junior undercover agent code ring in his breakfast cereal box. But in my breakfast cereal box, all I found was breakfast cereal. <laughs> Next page. I think I'll move to Australia. <laughs> like that's his line through the whole book. Every time he deals with these problems, difficulties, troubles, he has a really bad day. His line is, I'm going to get away from this. I think I'll move to Australia. Then when you get to the very end of the book, here's kind of how it wraps up. He says, when I went to bed, Nick took back the pillow he said I could keep. And the Mickey Mouse nightlight burned out, and I bit my tongue. The cat wants to sleep with Anthony, not with me. It has been a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. My mom says, some days are like that. Last page, even in Australia. <laughs> Isn't it true? We try to run. We look for answers. We try to do something different. The reality is sometimes we have a terrible, horrible no good, very bad day, or week, or month, or year, <laughs> right? It's, it's the reality. I mean, we like to deny it. Sometimes we like to say, well, everything's good, and it's all cool. And the bottom line is sometimes life's just tough. We're in a, we're in a series of messages that we're going to start the next two weeks that we're calling Storms and cells, and we're actually wrapping up the book of Acts that we, we started back in 1951. Remember that? And so we're, we're wrapping up the book of Acts, last two chapters. And if you remember, we're going to watch and see kind of the twists and turns that the journey that Paul's on begins to take. And there's something really key that I want you to see here, because Paul's going to have some really unique experiences in storms and in cells. And as we look at this, what I want you to see and what I hope you'll get out of this is some principles that help with what to do when you find yourself where you do not want to be. You ever been in that spot? <laughs> I don't want to be in this spot. What's key is not that you're there sometimes, but what do you do when you find yourself there? That's what happened to Paul. So what do you do when you find yourself where you do not want to be? When we left Paul at the end of Acts 26 last week, he had been in prison in a place called Caesarea. He's being held there, awaiting to be able to go and stand trial to, uh, to, to prove himself in front of the highest authority in the land. He wanted to go and stand before the emperor. He had said, I appeal to Caesar. And so he had met before this guy Festus, who was the governor. He was before Agrippa, who was considered the king of the Jews. Then they put him on a ship, and they send him from Caesarea, and they go, they go west past Turkey, past Greece, they're heading towards Italy, and they're moving from the coast of Israel west to try to get to Rome, where he will stand before the Caesar and before the emperor. They're doing this probably about October, 
in the Mediterranean. Not a great time to be out there because as winter is setting in, these seas are rough. I talked to a friend who actually had been in the Navy after the last service and said, look, I was out there in October when a storm came with 70-foot high waves. This is true. (laughs) They were having a bad trip. Acts chapter 27, verse 9. Much time had been lost, and sailing had already become dangerous because by now it was after the Day of Atonement. That's kind of mid-October is what they believe. So Paul warned them, men, I can see that our voyage is going to be disastrous and bring great loss to ship and cargo and to our own lives also. But the centurion, he's the guy that was in charge of the trip, the Roman officer, instead of listening to what Paul said, followed the advice of the pilot, that would be like the captain of the ship, and the owner of the ship, and since the harbor was unsuitable to winter in, the majority decided that we should sail on, hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. How many have ever hoped that you could reach Phoenix and winter there? (laughs) Anybody? Same name, different city. Hoping to reach Phoenix and winter there. This was a harbor in Crete facing both southwest and northwest. Paul had insight. He's like, look, it is not a good idea for us to go back out on these seas right now. Bad time. And Paul, whether it was revealed to him by the Spirit or just his experience, he was like, guys, we should not be doing this. But the pilot knew he was only going to get paid if he got the cargo to Rome. And the owner of the ship knew he would make more money if he could get it there in the winter. And so they overrode what Paul was concerned about, and they headed out on their voyage. Pride and money got the best of them. And can I tell you, sometimes that happens to us too. Sometimes what we see, what we think for, what we hope for, doesn't happen the way we want it to. Life does not always go the way you want. True? Like sometimes there's disappointment. Sometimes you wish things had gone differently. Sometimes people make decisions that affect you in a negative way. There's times where you can see, and you might even say, look, I don't think this is going to end well, and yet people still move in those directions. People do what they want. That's what happened to Paul, verse 13. When a gentle south wind began to blow. Doesn't that sound nice? Sounds kind of tropical and vacation-y. When a gentle south wind began to blow, they saw their opportunity So they weighed anchor and sailed along the shore of Crete. Before very long, a wind of hurricane force called the Northeaster swept down from the island, and the ship was caught by the storm and could not head into the wind, so we gave way to it and were driven along. Now, you don't fully understand this unless you kind of see it, so let me show you a map so you can see what happened here. They were trying to get to a better port on the island of Crete. When you look at the map, you can see, see all the way down in the right-hand corner, do you see where it says Crete? All the way down the right-hand corner, do you see where it says Crete? Okay, all right, cool. And you can see they were at a place called Fair Havens, and then at the the far western end of, of the island there is Phoenix. That's where they were trying to go. But instead, the wind blew them out to sea, and they missed Phoenix, and it kind of looks like they're headed for Hawaii, doesn't it? Like if that was if that was our map, different Phoenix. But they're out there in the middle of the ocean and they're caught in this storm that is so bad. Look at verse 20, Acts 27, verse 20. When neither sun nor stars appeared for many days and the storm continued raging, we finally gave up all hope of being saved. They thought they'd sailed past the point of no return. They said, and some of us say this sometimes too, we're too far gone. 
Can I tell you something that, that shouldn't catch us off guard? In fact, we should, we should see it coming, yet so many times we get surprised by it. Along the journey, there will be storms. Along the journey, you're going to encounter storms. Anybody ever been in a bad storm? Like I've been in some doozies. I remember when I was just a kid, I went camping and a tornado went through. You kind of remember that when something like that happens. You ever been driving down the road and the torrential rain is so bad you have to pull over because you can't see? Anybody? Like I remember not too long ago, a couple years ago on a Wednesday night, we were having our Wednesday night service here and there were tornado warnings that came up. In fact, there were a couple of touchdowns not too far from here. And I can remember we had all the, the kids' classes stop and we had the youth group kind of suspend what they were doing. We, 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 we slowed the service down and we moved everybody out of the rooms that they were in into the restrooms because that's the safe place to be in this building if there's a tornado. And so we were waiting for the all clear and I decided, well, what's the safest place for me to be during a tornado? I think I'll go stand out in the atrium by the big glass windows. That seems safe. Right, and I remember standing out there and looking out the windows and watching the sky like change colors. It got like this real ominous, almost like a green color. Anybody ever seen that? Like it was creepy. There's something frightening about a storm. Not just a physical meteor, meteor, that's a big word, meteor, that's the word right there, yeah. Weather one. (laughs) But what about the ones our lives go through? What about a financial storm? When those bills start rolling in that you didn't expect from your car or from your house or from your doctor? What, what about those family storms, those relational ones that sometimes show up, conflicts in our marriage, issues with our children or with our parents, maybe friendships that are weakened because of the storm that we're in, maybe even they lead to betrayal or disappointment. Some of us know what it's like to have an emotional or, or like a mental storm that in seasons of grief or loss or or depression, we're wrestling through something. See, storms come from transition, and storms come from the unexpected. Sometimes it's at the hands of others, and sometimes it's the choices we make. Sometimes it's this big thing that just hits out of nowhere. Sometimes it's just one small thing after another, and it just is so relentless it doesn't seem to stop. But I think we know what it's like to be in a storm. The deal is, though, what do you do when you're in that storm? Like, how do you make the most of it? How do you process it? What's interesting is, is what you see from the Apostle Paul here, it's almost counterproductive what he does. It's counterintuitive. And it's not necessarily the way we always think about our storms. But what Paul does in this passage of Scripture is he makes sure that he does not waste the storm that he's in. Here's my challenge to you today. What is it going to take for you to make the most of the storm that you're in? Because too many times when we're in a storm, we start to think a certain way and we give in to certain kind of survival instincts. I want to challenge you with something. I want to challenge you about shifting your thinking to weather the storm. That if you're going to weather the storm that you're in, it might mean that you have to have a different perspective, maybe new insight, that you shift your thinking so you can weather the storm. So I want to talk to you about three shifts in your thinking, things that you can kind of change the way that you think about things. Here's the, the first one, shift number one, changing your thinking from God stop this storm to God do your will. From God stop this storm to God do your will. If you're in the middle of a storm, is it right for you to pray, God, stop this storm? Absolutely. <laughs> Honestly, it probably should be the first thing that you pray. God, will you, will you help this storm to end? Will you speak peace to this conflict? Will you speak this? And sometimes God miraculously will, and God miraculously can, but sometimes he doesn't. 
sometimes you still find yourself in that same storm. It's not that God doesn't care. It's that God has a bigger picture. In fact, it might not be the best thing for the storm to stop. It's not always the priority in a situation. Sometimes it's not the miracle of stopping the storm that's important. Sometimes it's the process of going through the storm that's important. Look look what happens to Paul. Acts chapter 27, verse 21. After they had gone a long time without food, and they're, they're out in this storm on the Mediterranean, Paul stood up before them and said, men, you should have taken my advice not to sail from Crete. That was a nice I told you so, wasn't it? (laughs) You ever had anybody kind of like, I told you so. Should have taken my advice. Then you would have spared yourselves this damage and loss. But now I urge you to keep up your courage because not one of you will be lost. Only the ship will be destroyed. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve. Do you notice that Paul stresses that because his God's showing up. They all served other gods. Where are their gods? His is showing up. Last night, an angel of the God to whom I belong and whom I serve stood beside me and said, do not be afraid, Paul. You must stand trial before Caesar, and God has graciously given you the lives of all who sail with you. So keep up your courage, men, for I have faith in God that it will happen just as he told me. Nevertheless, we must run aground on some island. And so Paul has this incredible encounter where an angel comes and speaks words of encouragement and comfort and hope to him in the midst of this situation. Do you remember... There's a couple of stories in the Gospels. If you've, if you've read Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, the stories of Jesus, there's some stories in the Gospels where the disciples are out on a boat in the Sea of Galilee, and a, and a, and a furious storm comes up. And, and like in one instance, Jesus is in the boat, and he's sleeping. There's another where he's, he's off on the shore, and he comes walking to them on the water. Do you remember these stories? And in those stories, when, when there's this storm, Jesus speaks to the storm, and he says, peace be still, and immediately the storm stops. I like those stories, don't you? <laughs> Look, I had the opportunity. I've shared this before. I've, I've been in a hotel on the Sea of Galilee, up on the 10th floor, looking out as a storm comes through, feeling the wind, watching the waves, and thinking to myself, I'm glad I'm not in a boat out there right now. Like, it's a furious storm. And yet when Jesus spoke the word, the storm stopped. I like that story. It happened in the Gospels. Do you think Jesus could have calmed the storm for Paul? Maybe not. Maybe Jesus' power was only good on the Sea of Galilee. You think? No. Do you think maybe Paul didn't have enough faith? No. We're talking about Paul here. So why did Jesus calm one storm but not another? Because sometimes he's doing something bigger and deeper than just showing off. Sometimes there's something else that he's working in our lives in the midst of that storm. Sometimes God calms a storm in order to display his power, and sometimes God does not calm a storm in order to accomplish his purpose. Look, the reality is this. I love it when God calms the storms. That's miraculous. But sometimes the deeper work that needs to happen in my life requires the storm that I have to go through. And in those moments, it doesn't mean he's not there. It means that he's working something out in his will. So Paul has an angel show up to him, right, who gives him a word from God that gives clarity and gives encouragement, and then Paul speaks it to the other people on the boat, and it makes all the difference. The, 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 the truth here is so clear. 
in the midst of your storm, make sure you're hanging on to God's word. Now, look, God might not send his word to you through an angel. He, he might. I know some people who have seen angels. I have never have, but I know others that have, and I believe he could. Or he might speak his word to you through someone else, through a friend, through, through another brother or sister in Christ who speaks a word of, of, of encouragement, maybe even a, a divine word of knowledge or wisdom from God that he speaks into your life through that person. But you know how he typically speaks to me when I'm in the middle of a storm? Through the scriptures. He speaks to me through his word. Look, when, when you're in the middle of a storm, what is, what is it that you hold on to? Do you have a verse, a passage you go back to? Do you stay consistently in God's word so that he has the opportunity to speak to you and help you in those moments? His word is not just some book. It is living and it is active and it's at work in our lives. So you hang on to God's word that he gives to you. And then as he gives that word to you, and I think this is really important, it's not just God, will you stop the storm, but God, will you do your will? You allow your courage to encourage others. That in the midst of that storm you're going through, say, God, would you help me to have the courage so that I could encourage others? This is what Paul does. He says to them, men, take courage because I know that God is with us. And God speaks to us through other people in the midst of our storms. You ever been there? And God uses us in this way. Your courage may bring encouragement to another person. And there are times when the only way that we can grow to be strong and courageous is by going through a storm. If you trust God, you know that somewhere, somehow, he's working something out in your life, even through that storm. So find courage. Anybody ever heard of PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder? You've probably heard about it. It's a very real thing. When people go through extremely stressful situations, it has an effect on them. Here's what's interesting, though. Scientists, doctors, uh, psychologists, they're starting to identify a cousin to PTSD, it's called post-traumatic growing is what they call it. That what happens is not only do people have, have a, maybe a, a stressful response or this PTSD that they talk about, but for many people, when they come through that stressful situation, there's growth that you can see in their life that would not have happened in any other way. In fact, they, they did some research on uh, survivors of a, a tornado that happened in Missouri, and they found that for individuals who were through that, and especially those who had a circle of family and friends around them, for 30% of them, within three months, they had showed significant growth in their life that they hadn't shown before the tornado. Because I know that God doesn't waste our storms, that he allows us to be among his people so we build each other up so that even in the storms of our lives, he wants to work something out. Now, the text isn't super clear about this, but play this out with me, if you will. What if there had been no storm? If there had been no storm, Paul would have gotten on a boat that was owned by some people who were trying to take grain to Rome, and they would have gotten to Rome without any problems, and the, and the people that owned the boat would have made a lot of money, and Paul would have gone to a prison cell in Rome. But with a storm, Paul was able to take on the role of a prophet and a pastor, and he was able to share the word of God with people who not only heard it, but then they saw it, and God saved their lives, and God changed their lives, and there was something transformational. You'll see it before this story's over. There was something transformational that happened because of the storm that never would have happened without the storm. 
So in the midst of your storm, God is working something out. So don't sell your storm short. Look, I'm not trying to minimize the storm you're in because it's huge and it's painful and it's hard and it's difficult, but don't waste the fact that God wants to make something out of the storm that you're in the middle of. And remember this, your storm can help someone else go through theirs. Like God doesn't want to waste it. He wants to use your storm. Think about this. Those of us who are in a storm need those of us who have been in a storm. Those of us who are in a storm need those of us who have been in a storm. Do you agree with that? I I actually think that's really good. I almost want to say it again. Here's why. When it hit me, that, like that thought hit me, I was, I was walking, and I was like, man, that's, that's good. I need to put that in the sermon for Sunday. So I pulled my phone out, and I've got a little app that I can make notes on. And so, so I, but I was just, I didn't want to type because I was walking. I had stuff in my hand. So I just hit the, you know, you can talk to your phone kind of thing. So I just talked into it, and I said, those of us who are in a storm need those of us who have been in a storm. And it was good, and I sent it to myself, put it in my pocket. When I read it later, what the phone actually heard was, Those of us who are in a storm need those of us who have been in a store. (laughs) Husbands, tell me you haven't ever been eternally in a store with your wife at some point. (laughs) And it feels like a storm. Some of you are in big trouble now. My wife's not in the room. And so I can say what I want. Like, there's these times where you're like, oh, man, are we ever going to leave this place? It's driving me crazy. My friend Charlie posted on, on Facebook last fall. He and his wife were out of town, and she um, wanted to go to a fabric store. Yeah. And so they went in the fabric store, and this is, what, this is what he posted on Facebook. He said he was standing in that fabric store, and he says, I was looking out the window. Like, his wife's shopping, right? And he says, I was looking out the window, and as cars would stop in traffic outside, I would lean up to the window, and I would mouth, help me. <laughs> I love that. Because people who have been in a store know how to help those who are in a store. (laughs) And those of us who are in a storm need those of us who have been in a storm to come alongside and give encouragement, to cry with you, to believe with you, to let you know that the loss you're feeling is very real. What storm have you weathered that God might want to use through your life to bless someone else in their lives. Something that happened in your family or in your job, maybe a dysfunctional situation that you walked through, an illness or a loss. I can tell you this, when my dad died, totally changed the way that I walked with people when they're facing their own mortality. Once you go through a season of depression, it's so different for you to be able to minister to those who, who are in the season of depression. If you've had a miscarriage, you can talk to others in that place in a way and with an understanding that no one else can. How is the season, the storms that you've been through, something that God wants to use? Look, I don't want to minimize your storms. I just want you to see, don't waste them. And please know this. Like, like I don't mean this in a, in a weird way, but know that leaders are made in turbulent times. Oftentimes, the way that God shapes us and uses us is through turbulent times. Think about it. We celebrate King David in the scripture, but would David have been who he was without a giant? Like it was an exile and a lion's den that defined Daniel. 
You know why I know Jesus is more than just a good teacher? Because of the cross? Like, think about it even in our own history. George Washington, it took a revolution. Abraham Lincoln, it was a civil war. So many times, it's in times of conflict and storms that God is able to raise up the the leader inside of us. So look, don't dismiss those hard times because God's working something out. It's okay for you to pray, God, will you stop this storm? But even more, say, God, do your will through this storm. That's the first shift in our thinking when it comes to storms. Here's the second one we see from Paul. Let me challenge you with shift number two, that you change your thinking from why God to thanks God. You change your thinking from why God to thanks God. Look, when you're in a storm, it's natural for you to acknowledge you don't want to be in that spot. Maybe you don't understand it. It's okay to say, God, why am I in this place? God, why did you let this happen? God, why is it like this? But I think there becomes a real issue when we are not just asking God questions, but when we start to question God, when we start to doubt and we start to lose our hope and trust in him. Look, I acknowledge storms are difficult. I did a little research. What's it like to be in a storm on the Mediterranean in the winter? There's fog. There's waves, and there's wind, and there's danger, and there's uncertainty, and you can go for days, like Paul said, without seeing the light of day. It's a terrifying thought, but what if we shift our thoughts not just from how bad it is, but to how good God is, even in the midst of your storm? Acts chapter 27, verse 33. Just before dawn, Paul urged them all to eat. For the last 14 days, he said, you have been in constant suspense and have gone without food. You haven't eaten anything. Now, that may sound unreal, but they have been paying attention to their own needs. If you read chapter 27 straight through, you'll see the great lengths that they go to just to try to salvage the ship. Plus, can you imagine they're pretty seasick after all of this? It was a pretty intense trip, right? So he says, look, you haven't even eaten. Verse 34, now I urge you, Take some food. You need it to survive. Not one of you will lose a single hair from his head. And after he said this, he took some bread and gave thanks to God in front of them all. Then he broke it and began to eat, and they were all encouraged and ate some food for themselves. It's interesting. You're in the middle of a storm, and you're thanking God. seems counterintuitive. I'm not challenging you to thank God for the storm. I just would encourage you to thank God for what he's doing even in the middle of the storm. Even when you go, we've lost so much. Thanks God for what you've given to us. Here's why. Because I think when we stop thanking God, that's the first sign that we're moving away from God. When we stop recognizing who he is and what he's done in our life, when we dismiss that, that's when we're starting to pull away from him. Paul says something really interesting. Colossians chapter 3, verse 15. Look at the two ideas he ties together here. He says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Paul ties together the ideas of peace and thankfulness. He links your gratitude to having peace in your life. And isn't that true? Because so many times when I lose peace is when I become a complainer, when I become upset about things. When I lose my grateful spirit back towards God, but when I show gratitude, it gives me the chance to have peace come back in my life because peace and thankfulness go hand in hand. So in the moments of your storm, can I challenge you? Thank God for the silver lining. 
Look, I'm not saying that there's not terrible storm clouds. I'm not saying that you're not in the midst of a horrendous storm. I'm just saying those dark clouds, they have a silver lining. God is working something out. He is at work. There is a purpose to what he's doing. Thank God for the silver lining. Thank God for his provision. Like even in the midst of that storm, God gave them what they needed. He sustained them. He supplied for them. He helped them. Philippians chapter 4, verse 19 And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. Here's here's why I stress this. Because I believe a heart of gratitude sustains you in the storm. Because when you're in the middle of that storm, a heart of gratitude will sustain you in that storm. Look, because what happens is things begin to hang over our heads during that time. There's a dark cloud that's in that storm. And it's filled with doubt, and it's filled with anxiety, and it's filled with fear, and it's filled with worry, and it's filled with what ifs. At some point, what comes out of that cloud is nothing but despair. And if you stay under that cloud all the time, that cloud of despair, I really do believe it becomes toxic to you. There's, a, there's an old ancient kind of cathedral in, in the city in Poland, the nation of Poland, it's well-known. It's a beautiful building. It's kind of a tourist spot, but they have a story that's attached to it. At one point, kind of back in the late 1800s, early 1900s, there was a young priest that was there. And after he'd served there for some time, he's, he's, he died mysteriously. Nobody ever really figured out what killed him. So they moved on. They, they brought another priest in, and this priest served for a little while, and then he died. They brought in a third priest. This priest served for a little while, and then he mysteriously died. And the parishioner said, this is, just, this is a little weird. This doesn't seem like coincidence. There's something going on here. So they went into the, the, the parsonage, kind of the home portion of that parish, and they began to look around. And when they got up in the attic, they found this massive spider that was up there that had grown over time. And it was this, this nasty kind of massive spider, and it has these fangs, and it had become so big and so venomous that the, 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 the venom would drip right off its fangs. And the story goes that this spider that was up in the attic of this ancient kind of home would drop down and would hang right over where the priests would eat their dinner, and venom would drip off their fangs into the food of the priests, slowly poisoning them until they died. Now, here's, here's, here's what they say. They say, really, truth is, they're not sure that that story's real. That was just kind of a cautionary tale. I just say, look up before you eat. That's what I say. <laughs> All right, that's my advice to you. Here's why. Because whatever you let hang over top of you has the potential to poison you. And if you constantly let despair be what hovers over your head, fear, worry, that why me, that why God, if you just let that hang there, that dark cloud, it becomes toxic to you. Do you know what I think changes that? I believe that gratitude is the antidote to the poison of despair. And that when we stop saying why God and we start saying thanks God, God, I don't understand all of this. God, I don't necessarily know why it's like this. I don't know why I'm in this situation, but God, I know I can trust you, and so thank you that I can put my hope in you. Thank you, God, that I know that you'll provide. Thank you, God, that I know you're in the midst of this. It takes what could be toxic and changes your life around in that moment because gratitude is the antidote to the poison of despair.
A heart of gratitude gives life to you. And can I also tell you this, that, that a heart of gratitude encourages others in the storm. Look, I know you might be in a storm and it's difficult and it's hard. I would just encourage you, be careful about being miserable. <laughs> like Because it, it not just becomes toxic to you, but it becomes toxic to those around you. It affects your family and it puts that cloud of despair over your kids. And it changes everything. And I'm not saying what you're going through is not hard. I'm not saying it's not a storm. I'm just saying be wise because if you allow that to become what defines you, if you allow that to become what controls your spirit, if you allow all your responses to be based on that storm, it becomes poisonous to others that are around you as well. Years ago, um, we, we, were, we were driving, and we drove by a sign that had a, a, an old phrase, a catchy saying on it. And you've probably heard it before, and admittedly, it's cheesy. But we drove by this sign, and it said, attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? You ever heard that before? <laughs> it was on this sign. We drove by, and I was like, I was on this sign. But one of our kids took note of it. And so they began to take it upon themselves when any one of their other two siblings had a bad attitude. They would look at them and go, Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? And they weren't trying to be helpful. They were trying to be an antagonist, right? How much can I irritate you by saying this? Attitudes are contagious. Is yours worth catching? It was irritating. Sometimes you need a little irritated. Sometimes that's the way you see it. You may be in a storm, but your attitude is contagious. Is yours worth catching? Like in the midst of this, Here's the shift I would challenge you with to change your thinking from God, why, to God, thanks, because I know you're right here with me. Last one, third shift number three, changing your thinking from save me, God, to use me, God. Now, look, the reality is if you're in a storm, should you pray save me? Yes, it's okay. Do it. Probably the first prayer you should pray. But if your only concern in that storm is self-preservation, then you're missing the point. Here's what happened to Paul. Ship gets shipwrecked. It runs aground on an island. It gets battered to pieces. They have to swim towards shore that's near this island, verse 1 of Acts 28. Once safely on shore, we found out that the island was called Malta. The islanders showed us an unusual kindness. They built a fire and welcomed us all because it was raining and cold. Paul gathered a pile of brushwood, and as he put it on the fire, a viper driven out of the heat fastened itself on his hand. Paul has had a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad trip, hasn't he? <laughs> when the islanders saw the snake hanging from his hand, they said to each other, this man must be a murderer. For though he escaped from the sea, the goddess justice has not allowed him to live. Isn't that interesting? What was Paul doing wrong here? nothing. He's trying to help out. If you were just shipwrecked in the cold Mediterranean and you have to swim to shore and you get on the, on the land, what's going to feel better than a big bonfire? Like he's just trying to help out. I know you want to be around the bonfire. I've seen Survivor, right? I know how it works. And then this viper jumps out and attaches to his hand. Like He's getting voted off the island right here, right now. Like This is terrifying to see this happen. And look, Paul did nothing wrong. Here's what I want you to see. Sometimes there are snakes in the sticks. 
It's just that simple. He's gathering up sticks because he's trying to help everybody, and a snake jumps out at him. He didn't do anything wrong. Sometimes there are snakes in the sticks. And can I tell you why I say this? Because sometimes when you're in a storm, you start going, what did I do? Or why is it like this? Or how did I cause this? Or what, is God mad at me? And the reality is God's not mad at you. Sometimes there's just snakes in the sticks. Matthew chapter 5, verse 45, Jesus says God causes his son to rise on the evil and the good. He sends rain on the righteous and the unrighteous. Look, sometimes life just brings things our way. It's a storm. Verse 5, but Paul shook the snake off into the fire and suffered no ill effects. The people expected him to swell up or suddenly fall dead. But after waiting a long time and seeing nothing unusual happen to him, it almost sounds like they're disappointed, right? (laughs) They're like standing around waiting for the show. Can't wait to see this guy die, right? Isn't that kind of it? They changed their minds and said he was a god. Aren't people fickle? One minute he's a murderer. The next minute he's a god. They don't understand the story at all. You know why I point this out? Because people love to judge you in the midst of your storm. They like to try to figure out your story and say, well, this happened to them because, or I bet it was like this, or you know why this happened? Or they start to assume things about you or say things about you. And that can become really hard and painful in the midst of a storm. Anybody? Is that true? So what does this tell us? It tells us that what God can do is not determined by what others expect. Look, and just know God is at work in the midst of your storm. And that's not determined by what anybody else says but him. Acts chapter 28, verse 7. There was an estate nearby that belonged to Publius, the chief official of the island. And he welcomed us to his home and showed us generous hospitality for three days. His father was sick in bed, suffering from fever and dysentery. Paul went to see him and, after prayer, placed his hands on him and healed him. When this had happened, the rest of the sick on the island came and were cured. They honored us in many ways, and when we were ready to sail, they furnished us with the supplies we needed. Isn't that incredible? We went from shipwreck to an episode of Survivor to a revival service. (laughs) Here's why. Because God isn't limited by your storm, and he knows what he's doing. How, How much did he love the people on Malta that he would go to great lengths so they would find out? He blew Paul way off course, took him through a terrible storm, and landed on a shipwreck so that these people would be able to find out just how much Jesus loved them. God may be at work doing something through your mess. Like, I know you look at certain things in your life. You look at the storms you're going through, and you go, I don't get it. I don't understand it. I don't see light at the end of the tunnel. It's too far gone. I'm losing hope. All I see is a mess, and God says this. See, God used the mess to bring a miracle. And he not only brought healing to this man's life, but he changed the whole community because God is able to use your storm to do something tremendous through it. Now, look, I don't know you don't like being in your storm, and I know it's difficult, and I don't want to minimize it for a minute, but I want you to see this, the easy prayer, and an important prayer, but the easy prayer is to say, God, will you save me? But what if he wants to shift your perspective because it's not just about him saving you? He's already decided he's going to do that. It's not just about him saving you. It's about him using you. That there's something he wants to accomplish for his purpose and for your good through this situation. You are where you are so God can do what he does through you. You are where you are in this so that God can do what only he does. 
through you. Can I tell you what I love? I love stories where Jesus says, peace be still, and the storm stops. I love it when in an instant, the waves calm and the winds die down and everything's changed and there's bluebirds and butterflies and everybody's smiling. I love those stories. And as your pastor, as your friend, if you're in a storm, you know the first prayer I'm gonna pray for you? Jesus, speak peace, be still to their storm and stop their storm. Sometimes Jesus says, peace, be still, and it calms your storm. But other times, Jesus says, peace, be still, and it calms your heart. Because what you're going through in the midst of that storm, God's working something out in it. He's, he's making a miracle out of your mess. You can't see it right now, but you can trust him. And my prayer for you today is that as Jesus says, peace be still over your life, no matter what the status of your storm is, that you'll let him bring peace to your heart. Can I ask you to stand with me if you would, please? And the team's gonna lead us in a song that talks about wind and waves, about God being there. My question is, are you in a storm? If you are right now, as we sing this song, would you let God's Holy Spirit bring peace to your life. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for the promise in your word that you are the one who brings peace. You are the one who's at work even in the midst of our storm, and you're the one who brings life. And so, Father, as we look to you, would you allow, Holy Spirit, your peace to come to us in Jesus' name. Amen.
ask you to just be honest for a minute, not, not before this room, but just before God, whether you're in this room or you're watching on a screen somewhere, how many of you would say, yeah, I'm in a storm? <laughs> just raise your hand if that's you. Yeah, I mean, just a room full of people. It's, that's, that's me right now. I'm in a storm. Keep your hand raised for just a moment because I want to pray for you, but I also think it's really important that you know you're not alone. So if, if somebody around you has a hand raised, could you just put a hand on their shoulder? That's all I'm going to ask. And you don't have to find out, hey, what kind of storm is it? You don't need to do that. Pray for them the way you would want someone to pray for you if you were in a storm. And we're going we're gonna to pray right now. Father, we come to you. Lord, you not only see our hands, but you know our hearts. Lord, you know the status of our storm. You know where we find ourselves in this moment. And so, Lord, I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would allow us to sense and know that you are the God of the storm. None of this catches you by surprise or off guard and that you can be at work in it. And so Lord, when we're tempted to get stuck on God, would you stop this storm? Would you help us to say, Lord, your will be done here. God, do what you wanna do through this storm. When that cloud of despair, when that why is hanging over our, our heads, God, would you help us to praise you and to thank you? And Lord, to see that even in the midst of this storm, you are providing, you're sustaining, you're right there with us. And so we thank you even in the midst of the storm. And Lord, may our prayer be not just save us, but would it be God, would you use us? Whatever miracle you want to accomplish through this storm, however you want to be at work, even in my mess, Lord, would you use this storm to accomplish your purpose? Lord, and I, I pray today for the one who's tired. Lord, I pray for the one who feels like maybe they're too far gone. Lord, I, I bring to you the one who feels like they haven't seen the light of day for weeks. Holy Spirit, would you right now bring peace to their lives? Lord, whether they're right in this room or God, whether you're bringing this message to them in some other way. Holy Spirit, would you speak peace, be still to our hearts to know that you're leading us through this storm as we put our trust in you. Father, as we go from here, we ask that you would go with us. Would you send us with your special favor and with your wonderful peace? We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Hey, God bless you. Thanks for being here. Have a great week.